Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Sorry to keep you guys waiting and being uh, gone for so long, but we are back. We had a couple of little uh, personal issues that we had to deal with, and we were on another little contract run for the United States Postal Service during the holidays, and that kind of was a little bit more than what we had bargained for the very first time doing that, and uh, time was was at a premium. So we really didn't have a whole lot of time to uh, try to dedicate towards the show, but all that's gone, that's past, happy new year, Happy, hope everyone had good holidays and all that good stuff, and happy new year to everyone that's tuning in with us tonight. Uh, we are looking forward to Chuck Snow should be joining us here in a little bit. Kind of getting used to this new format as well. We've got a couple of different little glitches, a couple of things have changed, new phone number and all that, so we're trying to get used to the new digs tonight, so y'all just bear with us just a little bit. We may have a couple of little slight, small technical issues, but I think we're going to work through them and get it straightened out. If you have a question or a comment for us, as always, we welcome your participation. You can go ahead and press the number one. That puts you in the queue, and uh, hopefully those technical issues will get those ironed out and worked out, and hopefully uh, my daughter will be able to get you screened in. Uh, my daughter, Fatino, is back home in Atlanta. That she should be available with us, helping us screen the calls. Um, looking at the board right now, I've seen her pop in, and then I've seen her pop back out. So hopefully we're going to try to work these issues out. But if not, we'll just we'll work it out on the fly. But if you got a question or a comment, always you can go ahead and press number one. That gets you in queue, gets you in line. And we're looking for Chuck Snow to call in here shortly as well. He may already be on the line. Chuck, if you're on the line, you go ahead and press number one as well. That way we can go ahead and get you uh, logged in and up and on board as well. And back to... The business at hand, we're going to start off tonight as we normally always do, and that's with the uh, USDA Fruit and Vegetable Truck Rate Report for the week of January the 11th. This report just came out, and we have some uh, quite a bit of movement on this on this uh, truck rate report. There's a link for you available on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. So if you go to the Facebook page for Rates and Lanes, you will be able to click on that link and look at the report and look at it a little bit more in depth than what we normally cover here on the show. But we're going to highlight the uh, the main topics on the report, and those are the truck availability chart. And we have some areas that need some attention, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are working the spot market and you happen to be uh, uh, moving produce, whether you got a van, dry van, vented van, reefer, or flatbed, uh, depending upon the area, you may be able to load some of this stuff and may be able to get a pretty decent rate, especially in these first couple of areas that we're going to name off. There is a real deal shortage going on right now in Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon, Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho, Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, New York is showing um, a shortage of for they're moving onions out of New York right now. That's very interesting, but they are in the red. They are showing in the red, so they are at a real shortage for trucks in that area, and also Columbia Basin, Washington. All of those cities and uh, regions that I just named off, they are showing in the red on this fruit and vegetable report, which is an indicator that they are really hurting for trucks in those areas. So you might want to, if you're working the spot market, if you're in those areas, you might want to uh, go over to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page, click on the report to look at what type of produce is actually coming out of those areas and see if that's something that you want to entertain. These next ones that I'm going to list off, these are slight shortages. These are areas with slight shortages of trucks. There's a good um, opportunity in these areas as well. Those areas are San Luis Valley, Colorado. Uh, Michigan is showing a shortage, a slight shortage of trucks. And also Mexico crossing through Texas. 
that is going to be the um, Rio Grande area down, Laredo, McAllen, and all that. That's going to be that area. Uh, Yakima Valley, Winchie District, Washington, and Central Wisconsin. All of those areas are showing a slight shortage of trucks as well. And there is, in the good news here, there's only one area that you might want to avoid, and I think most people already know this area. To you know, if you're going to go into this area, you 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 might want to uh, make sure that you take your backhaul with you, so to speak, and that is Central and South Florida. They are showing slight surplus of trucks in those areas. Everywhere else on the report is showing an adequate supply of uh, load to loads to trucks. So you can take that under advisement. Hopefully you might be able to find some uh find the sweet spots in the market and be able to um uh, increase your profits a little bit if you're working that spot market. And speaking of the spot market, we're gonna jump right over into this week's DAT trend lines report. Um the report for this week, I'm trying to get it back up here, waiting on my computer. And this is the kickoff for the beginning of the year. This is the very first report for the year. So this is going to go from January 1st through um, the 7th right now. And let's see. Higher volumes and fuel prices led to higher national average for vans, reef, van rates, reefer rates, and the national flatbed rate declined compared to the average for December. Prices fell in most major markets when compared to the highs of the previous week. So let's jump into the report and see exactly where we are. We're going to start off in the van segment of this report for the National Van Demand and Capacity Report for the week of January 1st through the 7th. Van activity picked up gradually in the week following the holidays. Van load postings were up by 20% compared to the previous week, and truck postings increased by 9%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 10%. Uh, jumping up to 4.9, the previous number was 4.3 loads per truck. The national average van rate shot up by $0.04 cents compared to the December average. Also, fuel prices increased by 0.4%, up to $2.60 as a national average. Let's jump over and see how the U.S. van rates were performing over the week of January 1st through the 7th. Van rates rose to $1.77 per mile in the first week of the new year, up $0.04 cents compared to December to the, 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 if I can talk, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, compared to the December average. Outbound rates declined in many major van markets, however, especially in the Midwest region, uh, we're going to take a look around the regions, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States. The national dry van average rate for on the spot market was $1.75. That's coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The southeastern representative city for the national dry van report is Atlanta, Georgia, showing average spot market rates of $1.96 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, we have Chicago as the representative city, showing an average spot market rate for dry vans at $2.12 per mile. Moving back down into the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.56 per mile. Moving over to the west coast, we have the average spot market rate for dry vans at $2.08 per mile. So the West Coast wraps up uh, setting the high water mark as far as the spot market on dry vans. Moving right along, jumping over into the flatbed demand and capacity portion of the DAT trend lines report. The flatbed load to truck ratio continued to gain ground in the new year. Last week, load postings increased 26%, and truck postings increased by 18%. That pushed the load-to-truck ratio up by 7% to 28.6 loads per truck nationally, the highest weekly flatbed rate ratio since September 2014. The national average flatbed rate dipped $0.03 cents per mile compared to the December average. 
So let's jump over and see how those rates were performing for the week of January 1st through the 7th. The national average flatbed rate dipped three cents down to $1.92 per mile last week compared to the average for December. Taking a look regionally across the country, starting off in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania checking in, showing an average spot market rate for flatbeds at $3.17 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.15 per mile. Rock Island, Illinois, moving into the Midwestern portion of the report shows $2.37 per mile on average for flatbed spot market activity. Down in the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.02 per mile. Moving out west, Phoenix, Arizona checking in, showing the average spot market rate on the left coast at $1.83 per mile. And moving over into the final segment of the DAT report, the reefer demand and capacity report for the week of January 1st through the 7th. Reefer demand was down last week compared to the boom between Christmas and New Year's, but the load-to-truck ratio remained unseasonably high. Load postings increased by 3%, but truck postings rose by 7%, dropping the ratio down 4% to 10.7 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers gained $0.05 cents per mile. Let's take a look and look for a dive deeper into those and look at the rates that were shown for the week of January 1st through the 7th. Reefer rates remained high-headed into the new year. Last week's national Average reefer rate rose $0.05 compared to the previous month to an unseasonably high $2.03 per mile. Despite the national average increase, reefer rates took a dive coming out of Chicago and Miami. So taking a look around the region, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.67 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of this report, Lakeland, Florida is the representative city showing average activity coming out of Lakeland at $1.39 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, the central portion of the United States, Green Bay, Wisconsin, always a stalwart to get good rates out of that area. The leader of the pack, $2.90 per mile on average coming out of Green Bay down into the Rio Grande, McAllen. And this kind of mirrors a little bit of what we were talking about with the uh, USDA report. Uh, spot market rates coming out of McAllen at $2.02 per mile. So that's that's pretty decent for this time of year coming out of the Rio Grande. Uh, Fresno, Fresno, California, coming out of the, the West Coast is showing an uh, average spot market rate at an even $2 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT Trend Lines report. If you would like a copy of this report, of course, you can go to DAT and sign up to get on their mailing list. They will send it out to you. It's free of charge. Uh, if you don't want to go through all that and just don't want to have the bother of having it going into your email, you got enough stuff coming to you. If you're on Facebook, you can go over to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page and you can look for the link over there. We have it posted up there for your viewing pleasure as well. And I'm going to, let me give me a second, let me get logged into another website here. Um, I got to get to, um, want to get to the uh, bad and ugly broker report. I have to get logged into my uh, system didn't have that up already. Uh, but I want to give you guys a report on um, if you are working the spot market, this is something that you always must be aware of. Um, Truckstop.com has a, uh, this is where I get a little bit of my information from, most of my information from Truckstop.com. But most of the low boards have some type of uh, um, credit feature to where they will allow you uh they, they will give you information on 
brokers and whether or not, uh, you know, what their credit rating is and anything like that. Uh, but if you have your own authority and, and stuff like that, you must make sure that you are vetting your your brokers before you uh, accept loans from them. Make sure that you're not getting caught out there. And, um, man, since the last time we've done the show, there's quite a few people that's been added on this list. And um, I don't want to bog down the show with going through all of them. I'll just start. I'll start the list from the first of the year. Of the year. Uh, if anybody wants more information, if you don't have access to it, uh, just shoot me a message, and I'll and I'll try to uh, get the rest of the information for you. But these are there are quite a few people that are on here since the first of the year. So that just goes to show you that you need to make sure we're only 11 days into the new year. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence before you accept these loads from some of these brokers. Um, Headman Inc. is the first person that makes the wall of shame, unfortunately. Their MC number, ladies and gentlemen, is 684-165. That MC number, once again, is 684-165. FMCSA shows bond scheduled for cancellation on 1-21-2017. Over $5,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Now operating as Lux Lux Bowl Logistics Corporation, so it looks like these. This man, this looks like a situation where uh, you got a chameleon ca- uh, carrier here. That new MC number for this other operating Lux Bowl Logistics Corporation, that MC number is nine nine five three nine three. They are considered a high risk. So again, the two MC numbers that you need to be on the lookout for is six eight four one six five. That goes to Headman Inc. The second MC number for Lux Bowl Logistics Corporation is 995393. The second person to make the wall of shame, the bad broker report, Flying Eagle Transportation Transport LTD. The MC number for those guys is 517-898. FMCSA shows surety bond scheduled for cancellation 2317. Uh, says here that they have received notification for in, for intent for nearly $16 million in unpaid carrier invoices, extreme risk, Flying Eagle Transport LTD. Again, MC number 517-898. Good God almighty. Uh, moving on, Hathaway Resource Group, LLC. Their MC number is 981. 370. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled. Over $21,000 in non payment complaints have been reported. They are considered a high risk. Ramar Transportation Inc., MC number 300208. FMCSA shows surety bond is set to cancel on 12117. Over $18,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. They are considered high risk. That wraps up the bad broker report for this week. And with no further ado, I see we got a couple of people that's got their well, we no answers there. see a couple people that's got their hands up. We're going to try to get you guys screened in. But without any further ado, I see our resident mentor is up and on, is, is here with us, ready to join us. So let's go to him. Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, thank you for coming on board with us tonight. How are you? Always a pleasure, Rico. We're doing well. How are you doing, buddy? I can't complain myself. Uh, glad uh, glad that you guys were able to make that little run today and uh, uh, be able to join us tonight. Yeah, I'm um, not going to say how fast I drove, but I got it all done. <laughs> <laughs> cool beans, cool beans. Well, while we got you here, Chuck, you know, like I say, I, I've affectionately dubbed you as the resident mentor, uh, and by it being the very first show of the new year, you know, I just kind of would like to maybe bounce, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit and maybe see, uh, get some advice from you on what do you think, how are things looking for the first of the year? You know, what's, what do you think the outlook is for our industry and especially for us smaller guys and where there may be uh, some opportunities that we might need to be trying to uh, take advantage of. It looks like that there some some stuff that I'll get into maybe a little bit later in the show. Uh, DAT had a little blog out that uh, they were saying that um, freight levels have actually 
started to the 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 um, the freight recession is kind of over with, and things are starting to actually look up for a change. Well, you know, I agree with that. Um, I think there's more opportunity. It seems like some things have um, have loosened up a little bit. I think that maybe some of the um, business, and I thought you brought up a good point uh, several months ago when somebody had brought up a uh, thing that there didn't seem to be that much spot market freight, and uh, you felt that it had probably been taken over by some of the larger players uh, in the industry that could, you know, whether they're asset or non-asset, they had taken over the, that business. And I think that business has ended up back into the spot market uh, segment of our industry because there seems to be an awful lot more freight out there now than there was, you know, four, four or five months ago in general. So I think we are on the right path um, I think one of the things that that really uh, causes this to happen, I think, is we've had an increase in the cost of a barrel of oil, and you know, on the world, world market, I, I guess somewhere in the Persian Gulf, I think it was Iran agreed to. I that, now it could have been the Saudis, um, but there was an agreement to cut back on production, and that has put the price of the barrel of oil, and that's put some of the U.S. Uh, oil industry and Canadian oil industry back working again. And when these guys are working, money is spent because it takes money to make money, and, and there's all sorts of resources that are needed uh, for the for the equipment and for the, the people that are using that equipment. And it all trickles mm-hmm. down to equipment that's got to be moved on trucks. And I think we're starting to Absolutely. see, unfortunately, we hurt at the pumps when we're paying for um, for diesel fuel because it's costing us more. But in the end, I think we're making it because we're able to provide services directly or indirectly. I think there's a trickle-down effect. Like Even if you don't think you've haul, you haul anything for the uh, oil and gas industries, I think in the end you probably do and you don't realize it. You know, Even if you're hauling food, those people that work on those, uh, you know, on those gas lines and, and the oil rigs, they need food. And if they're working, and even if they're in Oklahoma or South Dakota or North Dakota, uh, and their families could be down in um, in Tennessee or Arkansas, so you know they're sending money back home, and that money's being spent, and that money's being spent on things that are going in our trucks. So I think yes, that's sir. part of it too, and and I think that there's a um, there's a new government starting in the U.S., and I don't want to get into that um, either from Neither a Canadian perspective. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll stay, stay clear. However, there is there is a lot of hope from a lot of people that this is going to be a game changer. And you know what? I hope it is as far as uh, nobody wants a better economy more than than we do. So, you know, if this new administration brings with it an improved economic forecast, then so be it. That's wonderful. That's a real win. I mean, one of the good things might come out of, may not, not sure yet. Um, And and, and I think that we've had had an expert on that kind of echoed a little bit of the sentiment. Uh, Normally, um, even when the administrations change, they're still kind of, as far as the transportation side of things goes, when they when they appoint those um, those administrators and stuff like that that are, that are part of their cabinet, a lot of times it's still just status quo. It's just not. It's, there's really not a whole lot of movement, regardless to whether Republicans or Democrats are controlling the government. Um, and and you know, they, so we may actually see a little bit of easing on some of the regulations that I'm not so 100% sure of because they got so much stuff that was already in the pipeline coming at us. Um, so I don't know, with, you know, especially during the first tenure, the first term of a new administration, whether they would even have time to even implement anything else further or, or strip away some of the stuff that may be coming down the pipe. That's just one of those things I think we just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I just I, I put that, something about that in my blog, and I think that, and I'm going to say it on this show because it's a great medium for, for spreading the word. I think if anybody is out there listening 
and they're counting on this new government to throw them a Hail Mary pass and uh, you know, quash this whole thing with electronic logs. I really think they're dreaming, and I hope your dream comes true for uh, for a lot of people's <laughs> sake. But chances are it's not going to, and I think that in the end we need to prepare for this because it's right. inevitable. Otherwise you're going to get frozen out of the game. And right. I don't think, and, and they're too far gone um, in in turning us on to uh, to the ELDs for next December. Um, sometimes the U.S. government, even with their size, can work miraculously fast when they have to. And we have seen that in the past um, when they have to. And I don't think that this sort of thing is what they call an emergency to them. It certainly is to an awful lot of motor carriers, and I think an awful lot of uh, shippers and receivers are going to find out very quickly that it's urgent for them as well. But until the proverbial poop hits the fan, uh, nobody's going to give a damn, and it's going to go through in December. Now, maybe you know, maybe some miracle will happen, uh, but I would plan, if I'm a motor carrier, of any size, I would definitely plan on uh, switching over at some point well before December, have the whole fleet switched over. And then if you get a Hail Mary pass, well, then you know what? Rip the damn things out, and if they cost you uh, $750 or $1,000 each and you bought 10 of them, it's the best $10,000 you'll ever lose in your life maybe. Or maybe you'll like them so much you'll keep them. That's a possibility as well. Well, Chuck, we got a couple of people that want to jump in. They got their hand raised, and I don't want to just be a, a um, be a hog and just take up all of the time. And let some <laughs> other people get in here and, and pick your brain as well. So you ready to take some phone calls? I certainly am. All right, all right. Well, we're going to jump over, and let's go to Sean. Sean will be first up with us tonight. Sean, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? I'd like to know if the URS system is going to prevent chameleon carriers and when this system is going to be implemented. And then I'd also like to know if Flying Eagle is out of Manitoba or if it's a different company. Uh, let's see here. I really doubt they're out of Manitoba um, because if they were out of Manitoba and they were uh, into carriers in the U.S. for $16 million, I would have heard about it. Because Canada's a small country. Because there is a flying eagle transport that. in Manitoba. Let's just take well, a look. Flying eagle transport LTD. The MC number is five one seven eight nine eight. That's the one. Let's see if we can. That is, and that I don't think it, that's the one that you talked about. Now, are they in Manitoba? Let's see. I'm, pull, I'm getting ready to pull uh, now up. No, they're the showing one in Edmonton. I'm just wondering if it's the same one. Um, it was actually before they're out, that. They're, they're actually actually out of Winnipeg. They're out of Winnipeg. They are out of Winnipeg. Okay, that used to be Clarence Fall, CBF. They sold it, and it became Flying Eagle. And that, we've hauled for them before. So I'm going to notify some people, and uh, just to make sure that... Uh, we're aware of their situation. Now, this is interesting because when I just pulled up Flying Eagle, uh, when I just Googled it, the first name that came up and on top of it was another uh, Manitoba carrier that just pulled the plug uh, late last month called Schroeder Freight. Are they connected? Schroeder, S-C-H-R. Okay. They're both Mennonite companies. They're both in the same area. Schrader's in trouble. Schroeder, not Schrader. Okay, Schroeder. S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. Yeah, they're gone now. That is not Schroeder. That is Schrader Freight. They're still in business. No, they took me for a thousand bucks. Well, I'm Uh, sorry. They're still in in business. They're actually outside of Winnipeg. They're south of the city on Highway 75. They're still in business. I still see their trucks on the road. Well... Uh, my understanding was that they pulled the plug in uh, sometime in um, December. I still see their trucks on the road today. I saw well, them on the road re- today. Well, no idea. 
Um, but it's funny. Now, there's another flying eagle, um, but it's got a different um, – hold on. That's There's another flying eagle in Union that, City, California. Now, the one that I reported that I, I, I actually clicked on the link to pull up their report. They're out of there. Right. That's the one out of Winnipeg. Uh, they have okay. phone numbers here, and um, uh, it says number of complaints. They have over seven complaints that have been filed against them. Total value that they outstanding showing um, members out of of the uh, internet truck stop load board is showing fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty eight dollars of outstanding total value in complaints. They have both contract in. They have both contract authority and broker authority. Right. Okay, thank so, you for the information. I will pass that along to people who need to know. And uh, where are you out the of second sir? portion of it? I am, okay, I'm with uh, Terramat or Horizon. I work for okay, Lupe yeah. and Gil. You know them yep, very well, yep. Chuck. And they'd be yes, quite shocked that I'd be talking, yeah, and they'd be quite shocked that I'd be talking to you tonight. <laughs> and that's who I'm, that's actually who I'm going to be informing, actually, is uh, Slim Alain. Right. He's our Quebec dispatcher. Right. And that's who I will be talking to. In fact, I already sent Slim an email. Good. Uh, um, and uh, mentioned to him I gave him the MC number. And you're saying that Schrader is also a problem? That's my understanding. Okay. Well, I will notify him on that one also. Thank you very much, Chuck. Not a problem. And I will tell him I was talking right. to you, and I would have <laughs> the heck out of him. <laughs> okay. Well, you can tell him I said hello. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. God bless. Thank you. Let me, uh, since he brought that up too, Chuck, let me just go back to the, because uh, I didn't read that, because like I said, we've been gone for, we've been on hiatus for quite a while. Yes, and we have. other company, I'm just going to just gonna try to scroll back through and see if their other company happens to pop up in the report. I don't see them. I'm back to, no, I don't see anything for December. I don't see anything reported on them, that Schroeder or Schrader, whatever, I, I forget, whatever it is, but I don't see them. Uh, They're another Manitoba-based company. Okay. Okay, well, good deal. Well, maybe we might have saved somebody uh, with that I hope so. Tonight. I hope so. Hopefully we did. That's our um, job. We had, a, we had a couple of people that dropped. Um, if you got a question, go ahead and press number one, and uh, and we'll get you up and on board. Um, but, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, hopefully we saved somebody some, some heartache and grief on that one. And for the people that well, there's a lot of it out there, you know. And um, unfortunately, when we we've just gone over a, a tough period, and there's also an awful lot of um, there's an awful lot of brokers out there. And I and I'm watching. I'm still watching rates being uh, being just cut to to rat poop all over the place. That hasn't stopped. And now what happens sometimes is these people cut the rates, and then they can't move the freight. And that's when the freight ends up back in your hands or my hands or some of our listeners' hands. But other times what will happen is the, the brokers, it, they will try to make, they'll do their best. And some of them will try to make the customer whole and move the load at a loss. And you can only do that so often. And, right. of course, so many of the brokers now are working on a much less of a margin than they used to. You know, it's nowhere near. Like one of our competitors here said, there's not no bell ringers anymore. And he's right. You know, years ago you would uh, you could make an awful lot of money doing this, uh, and you could make an awful lot of money on a single transaction. Sometimes that doesn't happen very often. And you know, you've got brokerage houses that are working on uh, ten and eleven percent. And out of that, they've got to pay commissions and everything else. There's not a lot left. Um, I can tell you that there was one up in Canada, a very large one, that was working on uh, their standard was 8%. And they tried to move, you know, just move volumes of freight. And they almost went under doing it because their overhead, the cost of running their business, exceeded that 8%. It was running about 10%. Well, another Another interesting phenomenon that I've seen an article, a couple of articles on now, actually, um, and I'm not sure if you've seen any other articles or not, but it talks about Amazon 
Um, Amazon is throwing their hat in the ring and trying to uh, actually get the ball rolling on this format where a lot of people, there, there are a lot of people, they're not, uh, they're not the first one to throw their hat in the ring by a long shot, but a lot of people have uh, attempted to try to do this, and, but Amazon may actually have enough money to throw at the wall until something actually sticks. Uh, but they're trying to develop the, uh, you know, the Uber of trucking whole situation all over again where you, you can do some stuff where matching up, uh, you know, matching up owner operators and everything based off the Uber and Lyft model to try and move freight. And now, I, you know, Amazon has kind of revolutionized uh, supply chain stuff on in every other segment that there is um, when it comes to, you know, consumers buying stuff directly from the public and stuff like that. So I'm I'm interested. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how far down the road are they willing to try to go with this thing. Have you, have you read any of those articles concerning uh, Amazon and, and their uh, foray into Trying to get I have, what they call it with the phenomenon that they're calling the shared economy now. Yeah, um, I've read up on it. Um, I've seen now they've just uh, they did make a uh, they made a deal with a new startup, and I think it's called Convoy, but don't don't quote me. Um, I remember reading it a couple of months ago. That was a new startup, and and they had made a deal with them. And it was that sort of an arrangement. It was a load matching service, and they were going to tender um, a whack of their freight to that service. And that was the start of it. And then they were going to get more more involved with trying to uh, become uh, basically the an electronic uh, load broker. But people have tried this, and I've seen all sorts of them to just try to take the, the freight broker's place and match um, match shippers. You know what? It wasn't um, – it was one of the big – it wasn't Amazon that did that. I apologize. Um, it was one of the big food manufacturers on the West Coast, the, uh, Mammoth. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but they were uh, – they were you know, it's a multi-billion-dollar uh, empire. And they had tendered a bunch of work to this company. And then Amazon, I read about them throwing their hat in the ring and trying to develop this platform because it works with them if all of a sudden their suppliers can get their freight into their warehouses cheaper. In the end, somebody's paying for the freight. And Amazon's big thing, if you've ever looked at what they do, is to drive prices down. The the Absolutely. whole challenge with this is when you go into um, this electronic world, it all works. It's it, it's fantastic um, until there's a problem, until you have uh, an issue and you need human beings to talk to, and that's when I right. think you know you just imagine. I always think of um, a traffic manager, a logistics manager. Um, at a uh, at an automobile pl- uh, plant, Ford plant, or, or a uh, GM plant, or a Coca-Cola plant, shutting a plant down, and, and the person that's managing supply chain on top of him says, "Well, who's your trucker?" And he says, "I don't know. I got him from Uber." Um, that's not going to hold when you shut a plant down. Because I've been involved in right, you know, I've been involved in transportation of automotive parts, and the key rule is hell or high water you got to get that freight to wherever it's going even if they're late producing it it still has to get there and if that means along the way somebody chartering an airplane they do it and yeah because that, that, that's the other interesting fact of it once you get involved with an outfit like that then how how if, if you once you're in bed with them you know what? How is that going to affect you when it comes down to having your rules circular and uh, you know getting things that you know your service terms and conditions and all of that stuff implemented into one of those uh, type deals? You know um, that that's that's going to be a, a real interesting little little uh, conundrum as well. But however, um, like you said, the other interesting fact is that you know. Um, it's really going to be because that, that I think that you have to, in order for something like that to work, there has to be a major player involved that's going to help facilitate it. And and, and Amazon is, is 
Amazon is pretty daggone, is pretty doggone big, and, and like I said, I think they may actually be someone with deep enough pockets to try to, you know, for that thing to actually get some traction because they are by far not the very first person to jump on to try to create something of that uh, out of that 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 vein. But uh, a lot of the guys, you know, uh, they have all of the truck carriers, they have all of the owner operators, they have all those guys signed up. They got those guys you know, signed up uh, long years ago, but they don't have, uh, there's no freight actually on those boards. Uh, you know, right. they, they, they don't have, they don't have anyone to actually, you know, you got, you got all these guys paying these subscription fees and, and there's, you know, and, and there's really nobody getting, uh, I've yet to talk to anybody that's actually moved any freight off of one of those boards. Now, if somebody's out, you're on the line and you're listening Press number one because we would love to talk. <laughs> well, you know what, and that's again, that's Amazon has that power because they are um, they are such a huge user of transportation to all of their facilities from all sorts, both LTL and truckload, obviously, um, and they've got their suppliers uh, that are supplying them with material that again they need trucks. So Amazon is really one of the – the only other one that could do this very easily is somebody like Walmart because they're in the same boat. But right. Walmart's a little bit different because they're delivering to their own retail stores. Now, I don't know for how long because even their business is changing because of Amazon. You know, you talk about a disruptor, and we've, we've used that term a couple times on this show. Um, I'm not a – I'm not a huge fan of the Amazon model um, only because I'm old-fashioned and I, I like to go and uh, buy things and, and touch and feel them. But i got to tell you something. I've bought a few things from Amazon, and overall, it's mind-blowing that I can buy something and buy it now, and it's here tomorrow morning before I get in. It, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And. You know, I was going to, and my first experience with, actually it was my second, my first experience with Amazon was pretty benign. My friend was in Florida, I'm up in Canada, and I was, uh, I needed to send him a Christmas gift, and I did it through Amazon uh, probably about three or four years ago, and it went off about a hitch, but that was a book. Um, but I was going to leave uh, um, out of the office one day, and just went over to Walmart, and by a, uh, but it was actually a baby gate I was buying because I had just gotten a, a young uh, pup and I wanted to keep her contained. And I thought, well, why don't I try Amazon? And just for for the heck of it, I went online and went on Amazon and they had all my information and paid for it. And God, it was here the next day, you know, for I didn't have to leave my office. And I understand why people want to do this because they don't have time and it's just they can have things delivered to their office quite often. Um, and now Amazon, I understand, is talking about handling groceries. That'll be a real interesting one. Um, well, you know, actually, how gonna I've even had it. the experience of buying stuff from, from Amazon and, and gotten it the same day. I've even experienced that. Uh, if you go on their website, they have certain, if you're a Prime member, uh, you can order stuff and it'll be to you. They'll tell you whether if you order it within the next 30 minutes, you can have it today. Because <laughs> they have yeah, so many uh, fulfillment centers throughout the country now, uh, and, and so they're able to kind of almost be, uh, um, you know, retail on demand to to a certain degree. And if and if they don't have it, then like you say, it, it's there. It's, it's there next day or within two days, free shipping if you're a Prime member. So you know, it's really changing. Um, it, Totally, it's it's totally disrupting, and now what you're what people are finding is uh, anybody that's dealt with them is the uh, it works, and then from a business aspect, if you look at it, what you have um, rather than run a retail operation, and even if you think of a home improvement store, um, you know, and you think of the size that a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot uh, or a Menards uses. Uh, the amount of space and the amount of uh, human resources and, and parking and everything else, these um, these online services can do the same thing and get you whatever you need, whether it's you know uh, roofing shingles or whatever, and deliver it to your home out of a central warehouse a heck of a lot cheaper than they can operate a, 
a retail store, and then they don't have to worry about theft and all the rest of the things and clearing parking lots of snow and ice and liabilities, uh, and it's the new world. The problem is, I don't know where people are going to work. Yeah, that was going to be the other thing. If everything is exactly, and and how is that going to long term? How is that really going to affect us? Uh, well, and you know, those are some of the things. You know, because you know, even with that, you know, with all of that stuff coming down the pike, you add all that stuff up, and then you start to look. You know, and we talked about this before as well with the automated truck issue and everything. You know, um, you know, who in the, who who the hell is going to have a job to buy any damn thing if everything continues down this uh, along these lines? You know, that's the whole thing. You know, uh, your your new president elect talked about bringing these automotive jobs back to the Rust Belt. The problem uh, that he's going to face is these plants, these automotive plants, are able to run with robots. So you can bring, you know, you can keep the manufacturers in uh, in Ohio and Michigan and Indiana and all those states, surrounding states, but they don't need people anymore. And that's, I think, our biggest, if we have one economic problem that we would have to get to the heart of, and this is a lot more philosophical than we really want to go into tonight, but it's that missing middle class. That's what we right. need. Um, you know, I was at the Conway Terminal tonight in Tonawanda, New York, That's, and uh, when I was there, I saw some uh, some of the drivers come in to, you know, to start their shifts, and I thought to myself, you know what? Those are the last good middle-class jobs in this country. I got a correction, Chuck. There's no Conway anymore. It's XPO. Yeah, well, sorry. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> corruption taken. <laughs> I was at XPO. And, but those are, the, those are the last good middle-class jobs. And, you know, when I think back when we started this company 38 years ago, there were there were tens of thousands of those of those same types of, of people coming to work, to work their shifts. And that's all gone in America, and it's leaving in Canada. And that leaves a void. And, and as we keep disrupting and, and we keep getting rid of the, you know, the retail stores and we, we keep getting better and better, we can't all be sitting at computers producing nothing. Right. And I, that's the that's the missing link. And I don't have the answer, believe me. But maybe there's somebody listening out there that's a hell of a lot smarter than I am that has the answer. And of course, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we need to go back to you know to resource based and and agriculture. You know, maybe that's where it is. I don't know, uh, but we seem to be losing that too. But that's where a lot of the freight What's is up? too, you know, and that's time is moving on us. We got le- less than fifteen minutes left in the show. Gotta um, just before we before time runs out, I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody um, how they can get in contact with you and, and maybe some uh, some re- opportunities that you guys may have over at Traffics. Well, uh, number one, we always have loads going somewhere. Uh, we do a fair bit of domestic U.S. business through our brokerage. We run a uh, we run a small truck line and a uh, and a brokerage firm, which is Traffics, and we are Canada's oldest third-party logistics company. We have freight. Uh, we have reefer freight quite often in the in the reefer hotspots. Uh, you know, if you're stuck in Florida because there's a million trucks in Florida and there's no loads, chances are I'm not going to have a load for you. But if um, California is hot and there's a lot of loads coming out of California, you can bet sure that I've got loads out of California. Uh, we run a, some flatbed freight domestically in the U.S. It's all spot market. Get set up with us. Um, you can call me at any time at 800-388-4352, extension 203. Now, that's really important. There's I don't know how many lines we have now. Um, but if you call this number and you don't press extension 203, you're going to have one hell of a time finding me. So if you just dial 203 when you call 800-388-4352, uh, you'll get me. 
I do return phone calls. So if you call me, you get my voicemail. I may be in the meeting or on the other line. I call everybody back. Uh, the other thing you can do is you send me an email, real easy, chuck at traffics.com, T-R-A-F-F-I-X.com. Uh, send me an email. I'll answer your email. I'm always glad to help people in this industry. And, you know, through this show and through people I've met, I've certainly had opportunities both ways. I've had opportunities to move an awful lot of freight that would have been perhaps difficult to move, and I've been able to move it with our listeners. And through this show, I've also been able to help some of our listeners make some big, big decisions. Um, so if, you, you know, if you're faced with a problem, there's not a lot of problems that you can have in trucking that I haven't faced before. So if you run into something, give me a call. Run up by me. I may not have an answer for you right away, but I'll help you get the answer. So anything you need, I'm here because it gives me an opportunity to give back to a an industry that's given our, our family so much. And, Chuck, that's why we appreciate you here at the Race and Lanes because, like I say, I, I affectionately dubbed you as our resident mentor but because it helps to have someone when you're not so sure of some things that's actually been through some of the trials and tribulations that it takes to operate and run a successful business. And and if you got somebody that's done some things before um, to help guide you through some rocky times, that, that's always that's always a plus to make your decision a lot wiser. And we got someone here that wants to get on and get get a question in, so let's go to Rhode Island. We got Mike. Mike, you're up and on board with, with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Good. And yourself? Good, good. So I, I have a comment, and then I have a question. So I was listening to um, Kevin Rutherford a couple of days ago, and he said uh, that uh, when the flat screens came out, they used to cost like seven to $10,000. And you couldn't possibly look at a flat screen that costs that much money today because the picture is horrible. Today, a much better flat screen costs $300-$600. And the reason is automation. And the yes, I know that many apart. You cannot fight automation. If you do, the other businesses are going to have you for breakfast. So the economy is always going to need people. We just have to retrain ourselves. There is no way any political leader is going to mandate something that can fight innovation. So that's the comment that I have. We that's a great comment. Ourselves. You know what I mean? Uh, I agree with you. You know what? I agree with you totally. Um, but it's still, at the end of the day, you have this void of people that that aren't trained because, and you know, we have a we have a problem in North America. We have these people of uh, that are over, let's say, fifty years old that nobody wants to train because they're too old, but they're too young to retire, and and those yeah. are our new poor. And I don't think that's the credence of the American dream is to leave these people that have given, uh, you know, they've given the last uh, 30 years of their life to to America and to Canada, and and they're left with nothing. And, and that's all I'm saying. And I, I, I totally agree that we need to get better at what we do. And if we didn't, we would still be, uh, you know, we'd still be running around on horseback. But we've evolved, right. and we have um, we have machinery, and and you know you look at the trucks today. You know, I was just thinking about it the other day. We we've gone. To, you know, you look at what a truck looks like today compared to what it looked like 40 years ago, and you look at the inside of these things. You know, 40 years ago we were still we were getting towards the end of the twin stick trucks, and now we're going to self driving trucks. You know, a lot has happened, um, and yeah. it's just it's change, and it's it's painful. Um, it's good. It's good for some, but it's not good for everybody. And I think what has to, I think you have to look at what is best for everyone. And of course you have to have the change and you're right. You need the automation because if you don't have the automation in America, it'll go overseas to, to China or India or one of those countries. Um, so you do Absolutely. need to have it, um, in order to stay competitive in a global market. And, that's and that's the way business is done. But unfortunately, what we're addressing here is the victims uh, of 
right. of automation, which is which is that those people that don't have the education. Yes, and unfortunately, that's the majority of the population. Okay, here's my question. I um, got my um, authority about uh, seven months ago, and uh, things are going well. And I wanted to know your opinion about, I came across something called a dispatch service, and these people claim (laughs) that uh, they can help you save money in terms of, you know, doing all kinds of things anyway that I can do myself. But the, they said something that was intriguing. They said they will set you up with, and uh, they have connections with all the major logistics and uh, the big-time brokers. They have a relationship with them and all that, and so you can get better loads. What do you right. think of that? Well, first of all, what are they going to charge you? Well, some of them have a flat fee. The fee is not so bad. Some of them will charge you like three to five dollars a load. This is not a percentage. Okay. Um, if they can do it, the the one thing I would do if I were you, and, I, and we've used um, we've used truckers through these services, and most of them are pretty good. And yeah. the the service bills it does not bill us the truckers. So in this case, if they if they called for a load. They would say, well, you know, it's not our truck, it's Mike's, and here's Mike's MC, and this is DOT number, and, you know, here's his insurance. We're just getting him the load. And you know what? Um, What I would do if I were you, if you're going to use this type of service, is you want references of existing people and call them and ask them because some of these services are phenomenal. And while you're doing what you should be doing, which is driving your truck and and uh, moving your load? They're looking for the best load for you, if they're any good. Right. And if they're just right. trying to get sixty-five dollars a month from you, they're not going to last long, because at the end of two or three or, months, you're going to go, well, "Why did Why did I pay two hundred dollars?" Or right. you can, um, if you got, if you, or if you have someone in your family that isn't working, you can put them on your <laughs> payroll. And have a little, have a have a little bit more control, and, and you can train them and teach them what it is that they need to be doing. This is a kind of a hot, yeah. uh, uh, sticking button question uh, for, especially for our show. Uh, we had Hank Seaton, who was a transportation attorney. We we put this question to Hank, and um, and Hank absolutely, without any, didn't blink when we put the question to him. Um, by the letter of the law, the way that it's written right now, these these transportation or these brokerage services are illegal. They are considered um, they are considered brokering without a license because um, and, and and I'll try and see if I can go back and find the exact episode where Hank kind of broke this down and I'm just going off of off of memory <clears throat> from a little bit of his explanation but um, and we're going we're going to try to have Hank of course we try to we're going to try to line Hank back up for the latter part of this month to come on board with this, and, and we may try, you know, since it's coming up again, we may, if I can't find the episode where he uh, broke it down, we'll try, we may try to get him on, on the record again, and, and this time we'll have it flagged for future references. But uh, basically, the it's a dispatch service, oh. and the, the loads are being brokered in your name, in your company. Yeah, they, so that's right. They don't brokering. take... I, yeah, I understand because that was that was that, I understand because I was at one point in time a few years ago um, when we actually began this podcast I was going to start one myself and I was doing my due diligence on trying to get all my stuff you know get my ducks lined up in a row so that we got incorporated and do all that good stuff and and that was the that was the hurdle that I was unable to cross without having it it would have been better for me because I. Because of the way that that Hank explained it, and I and I when we have him on, I'll have him go back into it. Uh, but the way that Hank explained it is that the FMCSA could come after us and fine us uh, for brokering without a license. Um, and and, yeah. and at the time, a uh, gentleman that was really hammering uh, the guy, um, a lot of people, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of people were on the fence about the guy, um, but, you know, it was a guy that was ahead of one of the uh, smaller brokerage associations that was really um, kind of leading the charge on trying to root the industry of the uh, brokerage services, saying that it was hurting the small brokers and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you can probably go and Google some of that information, but when we have Hank on, I'll, I'll ask Hank to give us 
a more in-depth and um, explanation on exactly if you could break that down for us once again. And with that being said, I appreciate the phone call, Mike. I appreciate everyone getting it. Oh, I got uh, one more call, Raphael. I'm going to come to you. I'm not getting ready to sign off on the show. I I just looked down and I seen that you were up and on board. This portion of the show is not recorded, unfortunately, but we try to honor anybody that gets in before the show ends. If they got a question or whatever, we want to try to get to them. So with that being said, we're going to grab Raphael. And then, Raphael, you'll be the last caller of the night, but uh, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Ah, well, I've been trying to get people to listen to you more out here. I live in uh, Arizona and uh, try to get all these people down down here, down south, to listen to you because, you know, they try to find those those uh, other truck drivers to broker them out, you know, broker some loads. And... Um, and uh, I always tell them they don't even know what the spot market is at or what what are they hauling for. Right. Unfortunately, that's 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 another sad scenario that you got when you when you are dealing. You know, depending on the services, if the service is good, then uh, then maybe they they are abreast and know and understand how rates work in different areas. A lot of times, a few people that I've talked to, it's been a they really oversell their services. Um, and I'm, I'm always a big proponent of the UPI system, under-promise, over-deliver. So um, that can get you in a little bit of trouble. We definitely appreciate you trying to spread the, spread the gospel out there for us, uh, Raphael, and get more try to get more people to tune in. We definitely appreciate that. We'll take more of that. Yeah, I'm always I'm always trying to help them out, and uh, uh, I'm hoping across fingers everything goes well. I get my uh, my own authority by. I hope I start my own authority by next month. Cross my fingers. I've been leased leased to carriers for the last five years, and I think it's already time for me to build this big leap. And uh, hoping I could build me a little, you know, little dedicated run. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You got you got some potential customers lined up already. There yeah, you go. <laughs> I, 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 that's uh, I'm always a lot. You know, everybody says, "Man, it's hard." I don't know how to get customers, and I tell mm-hmm. him, "Like, well, why are you saying that?" I was like, "He's like, when you want, when you when you want to know something, what do you do? You always ask." I'm like, "When you're when you're picking up for somebody, go in there and ask. Hey, who gives out the loads? Nine out of ten, they're gonna tell you the name who gives out the loads and." You know, just be nice to them, be gentlemen, you know, be uh tell your service, have your uh your business card ready, hand it right to them. Uh I've had uh for this guy that I'm leased on to, I got three customers for him and uh I talked to all three of them that I'm getting ready to uh, you know, go on my own. They told me once you go on your own, uh you got you know, we'll give you the loads first and then the guy you're leased on to. Right after that, so I was like, "Wow, that's pretty good." <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's how you do it. All right. Well, sounds good, Raphael. Well, we appreciate it. We um, hopefully we'll be uh, get everything lined up for next week. You guys tune back in, same show, uh, same time, same place next week. We start at seven p.m. If you got any questions or anything that you would like for us to discuss, a topic that you would have more interest on, you can always go to our Facebook page, drop us a little note there. We'll take it under advisement and see if we can't deliver on that. Um, I've, I've, I've got someone that I'm working on, a, a sales trainer that I'm still working on to try to bring to the show to try to help some of us to improve with some of the uh, sales skills and, and give us some more tools that we may use to try to go out and obtain our own customers. So I'm still working on that, still trying to develop that relationship and cultivate that to get them to come on and give us some actual tangible advice. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want anybody coming on here that, 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 that uh, I understand that how the world works and everything, and I, but they want, they need to make money. I understand that portion of it, but I don't want anyone coming on here just trying to have a sales pitch uh, to our audience to, to invest in one of their sales courses or something like that. You know that's fine. They can say, they can they can pitch it, but I want them to come on and actually give us some good tangible uh, information for free and let us try that out. And if it's worth going in depth 
to uh, purchase their services or whatever, uh, then 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 that'll be the case, you know. But we but I want some good tangible stuff before I I'm willing to. I'm I'm very protective of our audience and and other people that are listening to us, and I want to make sure that we get out real good information and not just uh, the latest and greatest snake oil salesman. So with well, that said, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we we have to do. That we have to try to be above reproach when it comes to those things, and um, I'm a big proponent of that. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we uh, we're wrapping up. We're actually over in overtime right now. This portion of the show is not being recorded. We thank you guys for tuning in and participating. We want to thank uh, Kevin and Lisa Rupp for, for giving us the, for allowing us to be on the platform to be able to share this information with you. And uh, thank them and the entire Les Truck team. And, of course, special thanks and shout-outs goes to our resident mentor, Mr. Chuck Snow, for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on board and drop some jewels on us this week. And um, maybe we might be looking forward to, if, if we can if we can twist his arm a little bit, we might be able to try to get Chuck on again before the month's over with. We'll see how that works out. And... Um, and that's all like we got that. for you tonight, uh, Chuck. You, Chuck, you want to give another, uh, another quick little plug before we get out of here for a couple people that's still online? Sure. If you need me, uh, just send me an email, Chuck at Traffics T R A F F I X dot com, or give me a call eight hundred three eight eight four three five two extension two zero three. I'll help you any way I can. By the way, I'm always looking for flatbeds in Maine. If you have any, uh, give me a call. I may be able to set you up with something. Rico, have a great night. Be safe. Chuck, thank you, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Good one.